talk about this world, this magnificent world that I'm in. It's the best way that I, I find to express myself. So I think that's why I tell stories. Filmmaking is a way to tap into those deep buried issues that I have and I think that a lot of Nigerians face. I think the most beautiful part is you never really discover yourself and that's why you keep creating. Hello and welcome to the Theatre Art Life Podcast, sponsored by Harlequin Floors, world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. The Theatre Art Life Podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Ana Aguilera. And my name is Anna Rob. In this episode, Emma Adozio shares her story on her work and life in filmmaking. Emma is an award-winning Nigerian filmmaker. She obtained a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science from Ogun State University. She then went on to the New York Film Academy and Motion Pictures Institute of Michigan in the United States, where she majored in cinematography and directing. In 2013, she returned to Nigeria, where she worked as a television director with major Nigerian television stations. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anna and Anna, for having me. <laughs> so, Emma, it's um, so nice to meet you. And I, I kind of want to start is you um, started in computer science. Mm -hmm. And so how did you make the pivot to wanting to work in film? Like in most African homes, your life path is decided for you. I, My family looked at me and said, fine, nurses make a lot of money. You're going to be a nurse. So I had my life planned out for me. But as I grew older, I knew that if, I, you know, I wasn't cut out to be a nurse because I was literally going to cry and give out all my money. So um, <laughs> after computer science, the film industry started growing in Nigeria. And I just started watching new content on television that represented me. You know, it was very weird um, seeing black Africans, you know, taking the center stage when I was growing up used to Kung Fu movies and Chuck Norris, you know, and Spider-Man. So we started seeing a lot of Africans and that was the beginning of the growth of Nollywood and the music the music industry. And then I knew immediately that this is what I wanted to do. After studying computer science, I went to work in a small production company and that was where it started. Grew from being a production assistant into a film director. Did you always have this little like creative itch or need to tell a story or need to identify with these characters that you were seeing? The funny thing is I grew up in a household with seven children. So my mom was having kids every year, one boy, six girls. And, you know, <laughs> you know, one of the, and you know, being the third child, you know that you have so many younger ones that take, you know, center stage. So I learned to bottle up a lot of things inside me. And I think filmmaking is a way of expressing myself. You know, I'm a very quiet person sometimes. I, I love to observe. And, you know, growing up in this large household, you just observe a lot of things and you kind of bottle your emotions inside because, you know, you'll be the last person to be listened to. So I think filmmaking is a way to, to talk about this world, this magnificent world that I'm in. It's the best way that I, I find to express myself. So I think that's why I tell stories. 
So tell us, because a lot of our listeners would have no idea about what the Nigerian art scene is and what Nollywood is. So tell us about that. Tell us what that looks like in, in Nigeria. Oh, I think Nollywood is, and if you don't know Nigerians, Nollywood is like a great introduction into Nigeria, who we are. Nollywood is a great symbol of how dynamic and how you know, independent we are as Nigerians. It started up with uh, with people picking up camcorders or picking up uh, VH cameras, and they built a thriving industry based on our local story. So Nollywood is is is, is a big representation of who we are as Africans. How tenacious, how strong, and how determined we that we are. How we built an industry to become one of the third. I'm not sure it's the third or the second largest film industry in the world. Um, with almost nothing. That's very exciting. It's just this idea of people just doing what you want to do with what you have at hand. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's, there's hardly any kind of funding here in Africa. You know, the government won't readily fund a a movie when there are a lot of social issues to to, to solve. So it's... um, not letting our voices die, just taking up what we have to tell stories that represent us. And it's it's been very successful. And so how did you get your sort of footing or your uh, ability to come into back to Nigeria, I guess, because you went to New York and come back in to direct things in, in Nigeria? I mean, what was that pathway to landing those those jobs and, and, and getting an opportunity, the opportunities that you've had? I mean, when I went to film school in the U.S., it's great, you know, met so many amazing people. But I always, I, I think the beautiful thing was that before I went to film school, I'd already started working in the industry. So I had had a taste of the growth and the exciting things that were happening in the country. So while I, after finishing film school, I decided to come back because I knew that there's a huge demand for skills here. There's a huge demand for skillful people here. And the industry is growing so rapidly. And I needed to grow with the industry. So coming back to Nigeria was, was quite easy for me because I understood that I could make greater impact here. And there was a, a huge demand for my skills, for the skills that I had gathered over the years here. So it, it wasn't it wasn't a hard thing coming back uh and, and deciding to decided to deciding to, to continue my career here in Nigeria. And then you you went back to Nigeria and then started working in this project that you produced and directed and ended up winning a a huge amount of awards I understand. Can do you want to tell us a little bit about the story and I'm really interested on on your how do you like personally how do you get there and like with the lack of funding the lack of like support and then and like actually making it through you know when I came back to Nigeria before making my films I worked for major brands I worked for I worked for big television networks in Nigeria you know they gave me that opportunity to create I worked for Ebony Light TV I also worked as a video journalist on the side, right? I worked for Bloomberg. I also worked for the BBC. But I found out that when I will go to make documentaries and make new stories, I will meet dynamic characters, right? 
you know, I was, you know, I had a first-hand experience of meeting Nigerians from the low-income area of, of, of this part of the world. And, in, in you know, one of the narratives that, that is being sold is that, oh, poor African child with the fly of his nose and big belly, no shirt, no shoes, right? And that was a lot of narrative. But when I would go into this community, I would be struck by the sense of pride the, the tenacity of these people. And I would look at the man pushing the wheelbarrow to feed his family, raising maybe $20 to feed his family per day. And he was he was so proud, or he's so proud. And he saw he had a strong community around him. And I said, I want to tell, I want to start, I started getting inspired to tell stories about people from this, this part of, of, of Africa. So, um, like, you know, there's hardly any kind of funding and a lot of the films that would make it into the into into mainstream Nollywood were self-funded films and people already had ideas of the kind of stories they wanted to tell. And it was a very market-driven film. It had to be funny, you know, it had to have all these famous faces. But then I, I just, it just started, you know, pushing me to say, look, I need to tell stories of these people. And fine, I can't get funding, but I have the skills over the years. I've built the skills of being a cinematographer, of being an, a video editor, and being a filmmaker gives you makes you versatile in everything. And so I raised ten thousand dollars and I produced, shot, directed, and edited my first film. It was one of the hardest things that I ever did in my life, but it was also one of the most rewarding things because. I was able to bring to life a community of people that hardly get representation. I was able to bring to light not just people stricken in poverty, but showing fighters who were content and happy, you know, with, you know, their lives. And it was one of the most amazing things that, that I, I did. Yes. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I think that's so inspiring. So you edited the whole film yourself, and how long was that? And what did you edit on? Because I'm just taking it. I think Anna wants to know. As well. <laughs> no, yeah, I had the same question. Um, I edited on Adobe Premiere, uh, shot with a uh, $750 camera, a Sony A6300, right? And I shot, I edited with the uh, Adobe Premiere, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, went with a very and how small long is crew. The film? It's a it's an hour it's an hour and thirty minutes yeah it's an hour thirty so it's a full length film it's like yeah, the, it's yeah. the real deal yeah I mean, <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take you from pre production all the way until you submit it to festivals oh it took me one year to plan and then it took me thirteen days to shoot and um, one month to edit. <laughs> Wow. So, yes, it was intense, <laughs> very intense. <laughs> and do you want to share a little bit about the story of the film? And um, oh, yes. Um, Kasala. Oh, yes. So, Kasala is a Nigerian word for trouble. And it's a story about four young boys. One of them steals his uncle's car, and then his uncle's precious rickety car, and then they take it to a joyride and end up bashing the car. So, the story is about how they have to raise $50 to fix the car in less than six hours. So, it's everything that you can imagine going wrong in this community so for <laughs> me <laughs> these characters are young boys from different parts of nigeria 
And it just shows how we as Nigerians work together. You know, if you come into Nigeria, you're thrown, I don't know if you've ever been to this country. It's so fast-paced, everything happening at the same time. There's confusion, there's commotion. It's like organized chaos. So you have to find <laughs> your rhythm, right? And if you ask any Nigerian who travels out of the country, you literally have to reset your mind and your brain to be organized. And then when you come back to Nigeria, you quickly have to reset it. You know, because you're driving on the road and there are crazy bus drivers, crazy bikes, and you have to learn how to navigate that. So this film <laughs> talks about using these boys, we explore the social issues going on within their community. But we also show the strength, how these boys hustle to raise this money and, you know, to fix the car. So it's a story about, it's, it's actually my love letter to Nigeria through these characters of how the society throws so many things at us and then against all odds, we still survive and we still make the most out of life, laughing and, you know, having this community and having unity. That's what the film is about. And how was it? How was it received within the community? I mean, I, I know you 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 got awards and stuff, but like, how how did how was it received? Did that people feel that you it resonated with them locally? Oh, it was it was a breath of fresh air. We went back into the community with a projector, and we set up a projector, got food and drinks for the community to come watch the film, and it was they were so happy seeing themselves on screen because I went in, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I went in and I said, oh. I'm making this movie, and I told him it was a school project because I couldn't pay anybody. It was, and you know, in this kind of areas, you have a lot of talent who want to collect money from you. So I had to lie, oh, I'm a student, I'm making this film. And, you know, they let us into their homes. Even their children were acting in the film. <laughs> and so when, when I went back, it, you know, they, they saw themselves on screen and they would laugh, you know. And there was this joy in their faces. And something funny happened. There was another where I was showing the film on a projector on one street and a group of boys from the other street came to collect money. And then the people in that community rose up. They were like, Madam, don't worry, just sit down, we'll handle this. And they went off to fight the other guys. So it was like, and you know, it was so great where they took ownership of this film and it was just seeing themselves on the big screen as heroes was was so amazing for them and it was well received here in Nigeria. So all local people, all true raw talent. Yes. All local, all raw talent. Yeah, and they gave in their all. Yes. Yes. You're working on a uh, project that involves like contemporary dance in in Nigeria as well, right? How's that going? Oh that's going well. So I'm still developing that one. But in the meantime, I am taking the Nigerian spirit and I've made another film after Sakasala. I'm like, okay, this dance film is going to cost me a lot. What can I make in the meantime? And I made another film called Umwemu Oseme. It's a Nigerian language, Delta language, which means the scenes of my father. And it's about how... Trauma is passed on from generation to generation and where we explore the life of a seamstress who discovers that her father is alive and then she has to go into this man's chaotic life 
to find out why, you know, she was abandoned as a baby. And in the whole process, she gets mixed up in this whole chaotic life. And she uses that to solve commitment issues that she had. So it's, it's just seeing how the older generation pass on trauma to the younger generation. And that's the film that I just finished creating. And it's going to be released in August. Then I would make the dance film, <laughs> which, you know, it's about a mechanic who decides to become a contemporary dancer after discovering his dying of cancer and he has less than one year to live. And it's it's another project I'm really excited about. Yes. <laughs> and now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. Where do you feel that you got your storytelling ability from? Is that something that was innate in you? Is it something that you did as a child? Is it something that you learned at film school? What is it that that give you the confidence to say, okay, I'm going to tell these stories and this is the narrative that I'm going about? I'm always fascinated about that. And I, you know, the truth is I stumbled into filmmaking and I don't know, I think I was quite fortunate enough to to be bold, to go into the world that I was curious about. And in that curiosity, because I didn't just start as a director, I started as a production assistant and I worked in the, in you know, as a production assistant to a um, camera assistant to a an editor. And, you know, I, I learned the ropes until I decided that, you know, I think I really wanted to be a director. I have the skills in other areas. I think directing is it for me. And I feel like in that journey of of going into the industry and not being sure of what I wanted to do, I worked in all departments and I found my voice. And like I said, I grew up in a household where, you know, it was very, it was very, it was fun. It was also chaotic. And there were so many voices, you know, that had the, the ears of my parents and, you know, I love my parents, right? But, you know, being the third child, there's only so much you can get in that attention-wise out of seven <laughs> children, right? And I think it was a way for me to start ex- expressing myself. Film is a way that I can really speak. It's a way that I can really tell what is going on inside me. And a lot of my characters are questions that I've been asking myself about society. And it's it's exploring issues through characters. It's it's just like a massive puzzle that I used to. It's it's sometimes therapy, right? And when you live in a society where hardly anything works, right? Where 
every one of us here is a walking trauma because you know there's no therapy you go through things and you're expected to get up and move on because you don't even have the luxury to mourn or the luxury you know you have to feed the family and you have to go on so filmmaking is a way to tap into those deep buried issues that i have and i think that a lot of nigerians face so it's been a journey i can't pinpoint to say oh yes I grew up with a pen in my hand, you know, and a camera, my father's 66 millimeter camera. No, it was, <laughs> a, it was a gradual journey of me discovering myself and my voice. That's so interesting. Uh, sometimes I wonder about this process of discovering our own voices and how it looks for other people, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's a lifelong journey, <laughs> honestly. I think, you know, I think the most beautiful part is you never really discover yourself. And that's why you keep creating. I think all filmmakers are finding their voices. And they every film, when you make a film, you're like, oh, I'm not quite there. I think I need to make another one. And then it continues for a lifetime. <laughs> and you never find it. And it's in this journey that you tell stories that really say, okay, you know, you, you never figure it out. It constantly pushes you. You constantly hear a voice in your head that will let you go until you create this story. And you just have to keep creating. <laughs> so I think that's a beautiful thing about filmmaking and finding your voice. It's a journey. It's not, it's not just one destination. And when you throw yourself into it, you become bolder and bolder to tell stories. You become bolder and bolder to express yourself. And I think that's what um, filmmaking is for me. I think that's really interesting. And I think that, you know, something that's really kind of stood out for me for anybody that I've met who's Nigerian and specifically women. I mean, you you talk about coming from such uh, adversity and there is a strength and a resilience that I feel like every Nigerian woman that I've met has such a... (laughs) energy like yourself and such uh don't you agree Anna I, like it, like anybody that I've ever met has just got such strength that I have such admiration for that so I think my question is in the film industry you know is there in terms of women directors and men directors like what what's the dynamic in that in that sense and, and is there a lot of women making art over there in, in um, Nollywood oh there are a lot of it's, it's female driven here and I think we're in exciting times in, in filmmaking, right? There's so many platforms cropping up. And it is so hard to make films here that the table is open for talented, hard workers. And a lot of Nigerian women have we spent years feeding our families. <laughs> we spent years, you know, going through this society and, you know, fighting that, you know, it's easy for us to come in here and, you know, make great stuff, right? It's, it's very easy. Um, so when you come into the Nigerian film space, some of the biggest filmmakers, the most successful filmmakers are women, and which is, which is really great. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask about, like you said, you, you started working in the industry before you went to school. So you knew mm-hmm. that you wanted to go to school and then you came back. And in that process, you've gone through a little bit of everything. And um, I wonder, were there people that kind of 
show you the ropes and help you get through that because now I see that you're doing a little bit of mentorship with the people you work with, which I think it's great. So, mm. Oh, yes, there were people who showed me the ropes. There were people who took me under their wings. There were people who, who helped me grow. I mean, I think in all, if, especially in filmmaking, you can't, it, it's not a one-man thing. Even aside from mentors, you know, they're the, the sound engineers who believe in your project and who come on board, the makeup person who says, who you tell, oh, I just have $10,000, you know, I don't have this much to pay you. Would you work with me? And they come in and they pour in their all. It's so much more than finding a mentor. It's building a support structure here that, you know, has really helped me become who I am. And I'm forever grateful to these people who have guided me and helped me achieve my dreams. Yes. I mean, look, filmmaking is, I say filmmaking is um, 5% skill, 99%, 90%, 95% managing people and getting them to come on board your vision, right? I mean, when you shoot with a wide-angle lens, you know exactly what you want to do with a wide-angle lens. You know exactly what you want to do to the with the to tell the you know exactly how you want the actor to perform. But when you're working in such hard conditions in Nigeria, you really need people sold out for your vision, and that's where, in some ways, I don't want to say leadership because it sounds very superior. It's a collaborative where everybody not just pausing their skills, not just pausing their passion and their time, but everything they have to bring out um, films here. Oh, that's super cool. So you said that you're doing a, a dance one next. So what, yes. what's that going to be about? And do you have much experience with dance? Have you brought people in that know about dance? Tell us about that. There's a growing contemporary dance movement happening in, in Nigeria. And it's not happening in the bourgeois part. It's coming out from the slums. And you see young people dancing, very innovative contemporary dance. And I stumbled into this scene and I started saying to myself, and you know the funny thing is that they dance about their communities, about the problems that you know, it's going on, on with the communities, forced addictions and all of that. So I'm partnering with a dance group called uh, the Q Dance Center. And we're making this film about this mechanic who decides to become a contemporary dancer to save his community from forced eviction. So he joins this dance activist, activism group, and they go out into the streets into performing and for me, a lot of people in order to survive here, you see, have had to take up jobs and have to take up careers just to feed their families. Nigeria is one of the places where you see the most talented musicians as bankers, or you see the dancers as, you know, technicians, because nobody, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the hardest things. And I know you know this to chase your dreams. You know, it's like you're dying every single day, you know. So for me, this film is about the journey of somebody deciding to become what he what he dreams about. The story of death, of constant death, the story, the fight to 
use your skills or to use your passion to be who you want to be and how the, the show you how rewarding this this is and that for me is the key point of this story hey nigerians we live in this society that is absolutely crazy i know that you had dreams some of you it might be too late for you to achieve your dreams well let me show you and let me take you on the journey where you see a character that you can empathize with who is constantly pushed down and pulled down by on all sides who against all odds keeps dying to become what he wants to be to live out his passion and maybe i can inspire you maybe this might be that breath of fresh air you need to help you go to work in the morning but i want to create that film for for to, to say to to say that to nigerian audience I love that all your work is very uplifting and like you are trying to push the like positive stories. Uh was there a trigger or a conscious effort to do so? I think that a lot of the times and I think that it is quite unfair that people from in this part of the world are not shown as superheroes. It takes a lot to live here. You say, "Oh, you 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 see the energy of of Nigerian women or Nigeria." We we deal with so much on a daily basis that you have to learn to smile and you have to learn to fight. So fighting from a young age is natural to a Nigerian child, right? Where your mother looks at you and says, "You came second in your class. Why did you come second?" The person who came first doesn't have two heads. You have one head. The person has one head. How come you're second? We were born with that fighting spirit, <laughs> right? So I do not think that it is fair that we are not celebrated. I do not think that it is fair that the people in these communities are not celebrated. That yes, you live in a shitty environment, but for you to wake up in the morning and to go feed your family against against all odds is you are as valuable as superman and that's what i wanted to tell and i think that africans need to see themselves this way and i don't say this from a point of view and maybe i might be idealistic but i feel that a lot of social ills that are beginning to creep into the con- into the continent and into our country is a sense of hopelessness you know and a narrative that is being pushed that you're nothing but when that average man who carries dirt on his head to raise 2 dollars to go back to his family needs to see that he's a hero needs to see that what he's doing is great and he needs to be celebrated and this is why I told this kind of stories I think that's awesome and you're t- talking to two women who are also very idealistic so never <laughs> apologize for that I think it's a it's a great trait to have <laughs> we need more of that <laughs> so I kind of want to sort of what's the next thing in terms of if you were to tell me what's the most favorite thing about your job about being a director Oh I think the most favorite thing is about seeing this character in your mind that keeps bugging you for years come to life in front of you I think there's nothing as beautiful as that. Like you sleep and like every day I see this dancer in my head. I'm like, God, he haunts me. He bugs me. I see him when I wake up. I see him when I look at the television. I see him when I sleep. But this, it's it's just magical when this film and this 
being comes life in front of you. And I think that's the most amazing thing about making films. It's hard. Like, I keep complaining. Like, oh, my God, I could have taken this money to Dubai and chilled out with girlfriends. Or I could have done this. Or I could have <laughs> lived the baby. We call it the baby girl life. I could have been a baby girl, you know, sipping champagne somewhere. I'm slaving here. I'm wondering how I'm going to raise the money. But when you see the product at the end of the day, and you see what you have created, and you see this character come to life, there's nothing as rewarding as that. And I think that's the most beautiful thing that we're making feel about what I do. And if there was a thing you could change about either the industry or your job, what would it be? Ooh, access to funding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Access to funding. And I think another thing would be Yes, we, we, we're in a very lucky, very lucky phase where we have the Netflix and we have the Amazon and we have them coming in on the continent. And I really wish or I hope going forward that, yes, there can be mainstream Nollywood like there is in mainstream Hollywood. I hope and I wish that the independent cinema of Africans will be developed. And that the, the Netflix and the whole other people would come into the continent and pour a lot of money and dumb down our voices. You know, that's one thing that I really wish. That there would be a market for people who want to tell original stories, who want to tell stories that matter. I don't discriminate about storytelling. I believe everybody has a right to tell whatever stories they want to tell. But I also believe that everybody should thrive in the industry. And I hope that voices who are passionate about telling stories about people and real issues are not dumbed down with with trying to commercialize African storytelling. That's what I really hope, yeah. Commercialize and stereotype as yes, well, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. You know, there's, there is the tendency to sort of see that with one lens, you know, and... Mm. And when you dig into, I think, what was the South African woman we interviewed, Anna? I can't remember her name off the top of my head. We have, uh, with, and just uh, Lissado or yeah. the director. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just that the, the depth and the breadth of, of the multitude of cultures across Africa and the multitudes of stories and narratives, th- there can be no cliches. It's mm. just there's so much there. There's so many mm. stories to tell that are untapped. And I think mm. that's amazing. And I think the 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 opportunity for, like you said, I, I I think also you know not having access to funding, people can get their art out into the world in numerous ways now. Mm. You know through YouTube, through mm. TikToks, through all of these these avenues. It's broken down a lot of barriers about from 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 people although in certain areas in parts of Africa they still don't have access to internet and they don't have access to phones and stuff like that so still then there's an untapped market of arts and community and stories that we don't even see and I think mm. that's amazing I mm. want to see them all of them yeah Thank you very much for your passion. It's so refreshing and so beautiful <laughs> to see. Thank you, Anna and Anna, for having me once again. 
if we were if people were to look you up find mm. you see your work have you got a website how would we how would people um learn more about you um i have my instagram page is emma edocio you can find me everywhere as emma edocio on twitter emma edocio Instagram, Emma Edocio. My website is emmaedocio.com. So it's quite easy to find me online. And I also have my film, Casala, on Amazon Prime. So you can find it there. Oh, yes. And my new film is coming out. So it will be released in in uh, August. So I would, you know, you will find more information about that on my social media platform and on my website too. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for spending time with us on Theatre Art Life. We really appreciate your time. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you and have a good day. <laughs> Theatre Art Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only $38 US per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.